I want to share a message uh, about God's peace. Have you ever wondered why you don't have more of God's peace in your life? Um, Maybe you have tension headaches. Maybe you have high blood pressure. Maybe you have high levels of anxiety and worry. Maybe you have knots in your stomach. Maybe you slept nine hours last night, but you woke up this morning exhausted because you were simply stressed out and you don't have any peace. What does God have to say to us about this very powerful and necessary topic? We all need the peace of God. Uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf is a Christian neurologist, and she uh, wrote a few books about how our thoughts affect our lives. And she said this in one of her books, that every time you think a thought, that it sends a... uh, electrochemical message through the body. And if you think about good things, it releases endorphins in the body, and endorphins are the things that make us feel good. But if we think about bad things, it releases chemicals in our body that make us actually feel bad. And she said, if unchecked, negative thoughts can lead to disease and sickness, all because of our thoughts, all because of our mind. All because we don't have the peace of God. I think that it is with that in mind that the prophet Isaiah began to write about how we could have powerful peace in our life in Isaiah chapter 26. I want you to look with me for a few moments at Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4. A powerful passage about experiencing God's great peace in our life. And the scripture says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. And I want you to write down three things today. And the first is simply this. God promises mega peace. God promises mega peace. And if you notice verse 3 again, it says, He will keep you in perfect peace, perfect peace, powerful peace. Uh, Most of us don't know the Hebrew language, but you might know the word shalom. And the word shalom means peace, doesn't it? Maybe you've heard somebody say shalom or you read it somewhere. In the Hebrew text, it says actually two shaloms back to back. It says he will keep you in peace. Shalom, shalom, perfect peace. And one of the ways that the Bible intensifies a statement is by repeating it. So it would be awesome if the Bible said God will keep you in peace. That's that's amazing. But it says here something even more than that. God will keep you in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom, peace to to the next level, peace squared. Peace times peace, multiple peace. We could say mega peace. And this is the life that God promises to us, is the life of mega peace, mega peace. But oftentimes we have voices inside our head that are leading us other directions. We have voices telling us otherwise. We feel the anxiety of our work and our family and and responsibilities and uncertainties and they begin to weigh us down but yet notice what Isaiah says here today he says that if we will keep our mind on the Lord he says all whose thoughts are fixed on you 
you will keep in perfect peace. And I think most people want to have the peace of God. But the question is, well, then how do I get it? And why am I not experiencing the peace of God? Isaiah gives us two things, two responsibilities that, 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 that every faith-filled person has to experience peace. The first is this, God wants me to fix my thoughts. God wants me to fix my thoughts. I have to fix my thoughts on the Lord. Now, to fix something means to permanently attach it, doesn't it? Uh, yesterday, I was putting in some lights in our, in our bathroom, and uh, this is something very unusual for me because I'm not a very handy guy, but I took out a Phillips head screwdriver, and I screwed the light to the ceiling. And you could say that that light was fixed. It wasn't going anywhere. After I got finished with it, it was stuck. That's the image that Isaiah is saying to us of the person whose mind is constantly in peace. It's a person who has their thoughts fixed on God. Not a wandering mind, not a, not a double-minded thought pattern, but, but having our mind fixed on the Lord. You know, the book of James says the person who worries is double-minded and they're unstable in all their ways. So one moment I want to serve God. Another moment I want to do my own thing. One moment I think I have all the solutions for my life. The next moment I want to try and trust God. I'm unstable in all my ways, James says. And we have to fix our mind on God. Listen, no matter how bad things may be for you, fix your mind. If you want peace, if you want the mega peace of God, you cannot forget about him. Fix your mind on the Lord. Quit worrying about your problems. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough problems of its own. You know, the reason you're so overwhelmed is because you're worried about tomorrow and the next day and next week and next month and next year and 10 years from now and on and, and it compounds. And how can our mind be focused on the things of God if we are constantly obsessed with everything tomorrow and the next day and the next year? And so forth. We can't, we got to fix our mind. Is your mind fixed? If you don't have the peace of God flowing in your life, fix your mind. Say, I am literally going to screw my mind to the things of God. I want to hammer my mind to the ways of God. I, I want it fixed. I, I don't want to forget about God. I'm not in it one moment and then on to something else in the next. It's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? And we let our minds wander. Um, Pastor Kevin Gerald says that uh, thoughts are like trains. They take us places. <laughs> they take us places. Sometimes they take us places we don't want to be. A few years ago, I was on a mission trip. And we had a layover in Frankfurt, Germany. And you know, in Europe, you ride the train everywhere. And we were looking around, doing some sightseeing. We waited to the last minute to go back to the hotel because... We wanted to see as much of Germany as we could. We were only there one night. And so we looked around. 
And uh, the guy that was leading the trip said, hey, Ryan, we need to get everybody back to the train station because we got to get back to the hotel. And when we got back to the train station, a train rolled in, and we knew it was the last train. And I'm an influencer. So I start screaming at everybody, get on the train. They're going to leave us. Come on, everybody. You know, and we're, we're running through the train station. We hop on the train, look around. We got everybody. Everybody sits down. We're like, okay, we made it. And we pull out of the train station, and the guy leading the trip says, Ryan, we're going the wrong direction. We had gotten on the wrong train. It was the wrong, it was going the opposite direction. We ended up in some little German town that I can't even pronounce the name of it. And uh, it was the end of the line. The driver, I'll never forget this, he jumped off, the, he pulled up to the train station, he stopped the train. He jumped off the train and ran out the door, and it was us and our little party of Americans. They were the only people in the train station. So much for customer service, right? You know, we're like, where do we go? And there's no way to get back to the hotel. Luckily for us, we found a few taxi cabs, and we were able to make our way back. I think they charged us like double. But I've often thought about that because trains are like thoughts. They take us places. And you know, when your mind is not fixed on God, your thought life will take you to a place that you don't want to go. It's a place that, you, that, that is unexpected. It's a dark place. It's a scary place. It's a place that no one wants to be, but thoughts are like trains. They, they take us places. What, what, what train are we on? What, what are we doing? Where are we, where are we headed? Um, I'm convinced that thoughts are a lot like a lot like trails in our mind. You know, we have thought patterns in our life. And when uh, the prophet Isaiah said, all those thoughts who are fixed on you, he's talking about a tendency of the mind. Like we would call it a mindset. Everybody has a mindset. We have a positive mindset or we have a negative mindset. We have a Christ-centered mindset or we have a me-first mindset. But we all have a set mind. We have patterns of thinking that we're used to and they've been developed over years and years and, and years of time. And they're hard to break. I mean, once we get into one pattern of thinking, it's, it, it, is, it has to be the power of the Holy Spirit to get, out, get us out of that way of thinking because, because we've been in that mindset for so long. But a few years ago, my brother and sister-in-law called us and they said, we're going to be up at Estes Park and we want you guys to come up and hang out with us. And so when we arrived, the, the kids said, well, we want to ride horses. You know, and I thought, oh, all right, we'll, we'll ride some horses in the mountains. That sounds fun. And they assigned the horses to all the members of our party. And the horses got into a, a line and they started to go down the trail. The only problem was I had this ornery horse and he wanted to be at the very, very back. And everybody else that was in our group was at the front. And I thought, I got this, right? I've ridden horses at least three times. I know what to do. So I started to kick the horse. I started to, to, to call the horse names. I started to harass the horse to try to get him to cut in line and to move out of the trail up with the other party members. And I could not get him to do it. The entire three hours of horseback riding was like a wrestling match. Me 
versus the horse, and you can imagine who won. And I thought about it a little later, and it occurred to me that this horse, every single day of his life, rides the same trail in the same order. He goes at the same speed. He does the same thing over and over and over again. And I was asking him to do something that was completely out of his mindset, something that was out of his comfort zone, something that he had he had perhaps never done before. And sometimes our mind, changing our mind is like riding an ornery horse. We have a set path that we're used to riding on. We have set things that we're used to accomplishing and, and patterns and so forth. And, and yet to have our mind fixed on God means that we have to be transformed. The book of Romans says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, if we're to follow Christ, our mind has to be made new. We, can't, we cannot think the old way. We cannot have the same thoughts and the same patterns that we used to have. Because now our mind is, is under the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And so we don't think like we used to think. I'm convinced that breaking up with bad thought patterns is a lot like breaking up with a bad girlfriend. Think about it for a moment. Bad thoughts stalk you down. They come and find you. Bad thoughts keep calling even when you're not answering. There's something about them that are appealing and yet they're destructive at the same time. You think things will get better with time and they don't. <laughs> we have bad relationships with, with bad thinking, don't we? And you know, when we're in a bad relationship with somebody, everybody else sees it around us and we're usually the last one. We think, if I could just hang in a little bit more, it'll be better. Man, I want to challenge you today to break up with bad thinking. To say, it's over to the old mindset. To say, I'm done thinking the way that I used to think. It's God first, not self. It's God's will. It's God's purpose. It's God's ways above my ways. I want to get my mind set on the things of God. I, I want to think as, focus on the things that he has for me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it like this, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. I mean, did you know that you have a future and a hope? You may feel like today you don't, but God always has a future and a hope for you. We ought to change that trail, change that train, change that pattern of thinking and recognize that God has a plan. He does. Let me ask you this. What if your business idea did work out? What if your prodigal kids did come back to the Lord? What if your husband, who's been telling you he's an unbeliever for years and years and years, did come to faith in Christ? What if you did get a promotion? What if your strained marriage did work out? What if, what if, what if, what if? What if we changed our, our thinking? God, God has that purpose and that plan. 
He has that plan for us. And so we got to filter those thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, to obey Christ. In other words, to take a thought captive means to blow it up. I'm imagining myself playing video games. I like to blow things up playing video games. Every time a thought comes into our mind that's not in alignment with the word of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, the character of God, I blow it up. Every time that thought comes in, see, here's the problem. Most people think about what they're thinking about. We just think about whatever comes into the mind. Well, we got to filter. We got to say, there are certain thoughts I refuse, I refuse to have. I will not think like that. I will not live in that mindset. I will not board that train. I will not take that trail. I, I have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I, I want to put my mind under the authority of God. I refuse to be discouraged. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to feel sorry for myself. I refuse to keep living the old pattern. And instead, I want to step into God's abundance and his plan for my life. Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul challenged us to, to meditate on these things. He said this, that we should focus on what is pure, not, as, what, not what's filthy. What's true, not what is false. What is admirable, not what is embarrassing. What is excellent, not what is getting by. What is noble, not what is selfish. And he also said in the same book that when our mind is fixed on the things of God, that we have a peace that passes all what? All understanding. I mean, the peace that God wants to bring into your life is supernatural. It's hard to put it into words. It's hard to articulate it. It's hard to explain it. It's hard to put it into a box. But if you've ever experienced it, you know where you've been. You know what that peace is like. It's a peace that passes understanding. It defies logic. It, it goes beyond reason and comprehension. It is supernatural. It is from God. And when our mind is fixed on God, that, that's the life that God desires for us to have. So how do I keep that mind focused, filtered, and fixed? <clears throat> we ought to be in community with other believers. Man, we ought to be at church. I know during the coronavirus crisis going on right now, it's a little difficult. But you know, we ought to be as involved with other believers as we can. We need community. We need faith. We need the word of God. We need prayer in our life every day. Listen, it's impossible to have your mind fixed on God if you're not putting God's thoughts into your heart and into your mind every day. You can't just come to church one time a week and get the spiritual filling that you need for the rest of the seven days of the week. And we got to walk with God. That, that requires a level of discipline and commitment. It requires a focus. 
It, 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 it requires a drive and a discipline in our life. We need the word of God. We need the people of God. I, I love Matthew 6, One translation says, set your mind on God's kingdom. Another translation says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But I love this, set your mind on the kingdom of God. Is your mindset focused on the kingdom of God or is it just on you? Is it set on God's kingdom? Because listen, Matthew 6, said this, if you'll worry about God's kingdom, God will take care of you. So seek first the kingdom and then all these other things will be added to you. Let's get our mind focused on what God wants, God's desires, God's thoughts, God's purposes, and then everything else will fall into place. Everything else that matters will happen. Don't be anxious. James, uh, excuse me, Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Prayer will keep our mind on the things of God. And notice he says here, it will guard your heart and your mind. See, when your mind is fixed, your heart and your mind, see, your heart is your, is your feelings and your mind is your thoughts. And when your mind is focused on God, and you begin to pray, God will protect your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your thought life. It's like a shield. God puts the shield of faith around us. All the attacks of the enemy are coming our direction, but we have the great shield of faith that is there protecting the heart and the mind. It's double, it's double peace, actually. It guards our hearts and our mind, and it surpasses all understanding. But Isaiah gives us one other challenge, and I want you to write this down. Um, not just fixing our mind, but God wants me to trust him. Okay, now we have to trust God. You got to trust him. We have trust issues. And our trust issue a lot of times is we think that our way is better than God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why did the Proverbs say that? Because most people rely on their own intuitions, not what God says. If there's ever a discrepancy between what you think and what God thinks, go with God. Don't go with yourself. Most of the time, we govern our life by what is reasonable to us and not what is trusting in God. So you got to trust in God. When my kids were little, they used to want to lean on me. You know, we would be playing or at the park or playing uh, dart wars or laser tag or whatever, and they would get tired, they wouldn't lean on me. They would lean on me because I was stronger and I could sustain them. I, I believe that's what God is saying here to us, is that we're to lean on Him because He is the one who is abundantly strong. L look at verse 4 again of Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord always. Now, do we trust in the Lord sometimes? No, we trust in the Lord always, always. For the Lord our God is an eternal rock. And any time that the Bible speaks of God as a rock, it is always talking about his strength and vitality. 
We have some big rocks here around our church campus. We're in Colorado. We got rocks everywhere. We have some big rocks. And I've been uh, aware of this campus or on this campus for the last decade. And many of those same rocks are in the exact same place. They haven't gone anywhere. They're too big to be moved. And I can't even imagine trying to move some of them. They're so massive. God is a rock. God is stable. God is immovable. The reason that we lean on God is because God is everything that we are not. When we are inconsistent, God is consistent. When we are weak, He is strong. When we are uncertain, He is immovable and always predictable. God is a, He's a rock. And people say, well, I would trust God if I just understood what he was doing. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you have to understand all of the intricacies of electricity to know that when you flip on a switch that the lights are going to come on? Most of us don't wake up in the morning and just, you know, I wonder what happens when that switch goes on and where does the electromagnetic current go? No, we, don't. we just know we hit the lights and they turn on, right? I don't understand how text messaging works. I just know I pull out my phone, I push the app, and I send a message to my wife, and she types back. I don't understand how gravity works. I just know that if I drop this microphone, it would hit the ground. <laughs> I don't have to know everything about gravity, electricity, about cell phones, to know enough. And God wants us to, to trust him, not because we know everything about God. Listen, God is so profound, there's no way that I could ever explain the nature of God in a 30-minute message. You could never read a 200-page book and know all of the things of God. He's too great. He's too magnificent. We need to worry less about trying to understand what God is doing, and we need to trust Him. And when we don't see what God is doing, we just trust the heart of God. You know, you can follow the Lord and have no idea where you're going. Did you know that? Because you're leaning not on your own understanding. You're just, you're just following where God, where God is leading you. So, do we have trust issues? we got to put all our eggs in God's basket. As we face a great crisis in our country, we have to trust God. We need God. God is a rock. God is the one that we need. we we, we got to trust him. Look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Let's put our attention on God. Let's trust in the Lord. Let's lean on that rock, the great rock. And when we fix our mind and when we lean not on our own understanding, we lean on the rock, God will put us in a place of perfect, perfect peace. Let's bow together for a word of prayer.